Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. Hey, hang on a minute. Ouch. Oi, watch where you're flapping standing. I may be skinny as a rake, but I still need a bit of a room to maneuvers. Never mind. I forgive you. Now, old man, what was that rubbish you were just sprouting? I, uh, I'm not sure what you mean. You were on about Celestrians, right? I wondered the same thing at first, but this mess of a minstrel hardly fit, foots the bill. I don't see a halo, do you? I don't see any wings either. Bit odd for a, less, for a Celestrian, that, wouldn't you say? I suppose you're right. Though, while we're on the subject of odd, who and what are you? Ah! Wouldn't you like to know? Yes, I suppose you would. Then I'd better introduce myself. Wait for it. I am the supreme stupendous Stella, studding skipper of the sky-soaring Starlight Starflight Express. Ta-da! Uh, I see. <coughs> Excuse me. Right then, your turn. Time to fly your true colors and tell us who you really are. Class is in session, and today we're making some characters and taking to the skies in a magic train. As always, I am your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG, and this week I have the pleasure of welcoming to the university from Prima Games and editor over at Wrecked Global, Lucas White, to talk some Dragon Quest IX. How's it going, Lucas? It's going well. I'm happy to be back. Um, I know. We just got done with the uh, the old RPGs of 2019, or 2022 or 2021. Excuse me. Uh, it's all the same. Yeah, it all blends together. But we're jumping back in time almost 11 years to 2010, where we're going to be talking about this lovely game. So Dragon Quest IX originally released in Japan on July 11th of 2009. It would make its way westward about a year later, uh, arriving in the U.S. on July 11th, 2010, July 23rd, 2010 in Europe, and Australia got it in August on August 19th of 2010. Some other games you might have been playing that same year include Halo Reach, God of War 3, Mario Galaxy 2, Mass Effect 2, Fallout New Vegas, Red Dead Redemption, Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker, Nier, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, Fable 3, and Final Fantasy 14 version 1.1 or 1.0 quite a stacked year it's like the nerdiest year of all time you had something for everyone it had your mario game it had your halo your god of war fantastic fallout game mass effect 2 kingdom hearts there was something for everybody this year it's crazy yeah this is also like just a few months before i started this whole uh i guess you can call it a career oh yeah yeah i i officially started writing about games like for an audience i guess you could say in uh like october 2010 <laughs> so we're uh, oh wow we are where, right where before. did you start off writing uh it was like one of those small indie sites it was called robo awesome i'm pretty sure it doesn't exist anymore um yeah, I just kind of like tripped and fell over that, and somehow it's my job now, <laughs> 10 years later. Uh, to only imagine what... See, I was in school at the time. I was in college. I was starting sophomore year, I want to say, in 2010. Maybe okay. sophomore or junior year, I want to say. Um, but yeah, and now, now look at us. Now look at us, Lucas. It's crazy. On top of the world. Our time flies. You know it. <laughs> you know it. So, but yes, we are talking Dragon Quest Nine. So, Lucas, what was your kind of um, 
your introduction or when did you get into Dragon Quest Nine? Were you a fan of the series prior to this? Yeah, kind of. I, I think Nine is when I first like really, really dove into it. Um, I, I kind of been aware of Dragon Quest uh, since like the Game Boy, um, mostly through like Nintendo Power. I hadn't actually like owned one yet, but um, you know there there was like a big old spread for Dragon Warrior Three when that came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know there were the Dragon Quest Monsters games. I think uh, I had friends into those, but um, outside of like trying them on emulators and stuff, um, I was really only like paying attention to them just through like people uh, talking about them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, nine nine was like the one where I was like, all right, I'm I'm in, I'm jumping in. <laughs> um, so it was like, I was actually in uh, New York City the day it came out. Um, and what it's really sad in a way because like I was on the train coming to New York while uh, Yuji Hori was like at the Nintendo store apparently. Um, oh so, wow! Yeah, so I missed him by a few hours, uh, but it was. It was cool because, like, the store had a bunch of, like, Dragon Quest decorations everywhere, which is, like, something you would never mm-hmm. expect to see in North America. But they had, like, oh, plushies yeah. around, and, like, they had, like, slime stickers on the stairs, and <laughs> they were giving out blue snow cones uh, outside. It was it was wild. Um, but then I, like, walked across the street and bought the game at Toys R Us instead because I had a gift card. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I got that game, and I just didn't put it down until I was done with it. Like mm-hmm. I was, I honestly can't remember being into a game as much as I was Dragon Quest Nine, like ever since Dragon Quest Nine. I yeah. think part of that has to do with my job, of course, um, but at the same time, like. I don't. I don't think I've ever recaptured that that feeling. Um, like when I was done with it, I I like felt almost lost. Like I don't. I don't know what to do. I want more of this, but it's it's gone. Mm-hmm. And and I just so, haven't. I just haven't found that kind of high yet. I've come close, probably, but yeah. Yeah. yeah there was a lot lot to love here with Dragon Quest Nine. Were you a fan of RPGs? prior to this or was this kind of one of your earlier experiences with the the genre itself too oh 100 percent. i've been into rpgs uh for for years i would say like i think pokemon was probably like my first uh sort of run in with the genre um mm-hmm. i played like uh power quest for the game boy color is one that stands out it's almost like a RPG slash fighting Oh, game. yeah. Shout yeah. out to Power Quest. I Power remember Quest those rules. ads and everything. Yeah. No, that game's great. Um, and then, like, uh, I just kind of, like, hit random stuff. Um, I eventually had a PlayStation. Uh, so, you know, like, hit the Final Fantasies. Uh, devoured most of those. Uh, Chrono Trigger, that kind of thing. But it, it was, like, pretty, like, you know, entry-level stuff. Like, I hadn't, mm-hmm. I hadn't really gone past the boundaries of like the obvious squaresoft stuff um except for power stone but i think dragon quest hits a few years after i you know encounter persona for the first time um it's probably after uh, i don't even remember what else i've played but (laughs) i would say around like the, the the late 2000s is when i really started like uh exploring you know beyond like what was i keep saying obvious and that may be a little unfair but you know like the the bigger stuff and mm-hmm. i kind of finally found my path to like learning more about the stuff that i never really just happened upon before and uh yeah yeah so 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 like i was saying like i was aware of dragon quest um but this was the first time i like i mean i had like disposable income and stuff for the first time so yeah that helps oh always always helps but yeah this this game was for me my first kind of exposure to dragon quest was my older brother had gotten the original dragon warrior 
free from Nintendo Power, like part of that promotion. Oh yeah. Um, way back way. Um, and of course, like I couldn't read, but like legit, one of my first, if not the first memory, like I can actually remember, is trying to get out of the king's room in Dragon Warrior, oh, but no. because you had to like select door and stairs and things like that, I I couldn't read at the time, obviously, but um. I, I remember that, like, on our old little TV that we had set up. Mm-hmm. But ever, and since then, I want to say Dragon Quest Eight was the first Dragon Quest game that, like, I dove headfirst into on the PS2. I absolutely loved it. Um, prior to then, I hadn't really gotten the... I mean, we had missed out on a bunch of the other games. We had missed out on 5 and 6. 7, I didn't pick up until... Or really play till mm-hmm. years later, but eight all the hype surrounding Final Fantasy eight. I had to pick it up, and it came with the Final Fantasy twelve demo. So by the time nine came along, I was like, okay, I'm in. This 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 game looks fantastic, and I remember what a like kind of backlash and what like surprise people had that this was going like a mainline dragon quest entry was going to be on a handheld system yeah it was uh i believe it yeah it was the first mainline dragon quest on a handheld and there was also like some weird i don't uh, controversy might be too strong um but when when the game was first kind of creeping out in the screenshots and media coverage and stuff it was it was like more of a action rpg uh for a minute there um until like the fan base practically revolted uh and then mm-hmm. you know they kind of pulled back and made more of a traditional game yeah it's um well in i can't remember if any of the older dragon quests had come out like if we had gotten any of the ports of four five or six before this came out that i'm not sure of but this being the first like brand new Dragon Quest game and being on a handheld was so interesting. And then it was going to be multiplayer. Like Dragon Quest Nine did so many new things that looking back it's like, oh okay, yeah, that's that's okay. But looking back, like that was a big deal. So yeah. much of it was a big deal. Um. I was just looking up the DS remakes, so those did come out earlier. Um, and you kind of see this, like, this is a really weird chapter in the series' history. Because, um, mm-hmm. like you said, you know, the series up to then was relatively unknown. Um, Enix was still just Enix. Um, and then after the the square merger i think eight was sort of like all right we're gonna try this um but they were they were already like not confident in it uh, just because of the previous games um so they tossed the demo in there to kind of give it more of like a prestige kind of kind of deal like they had like a fancy case for it and everything um and it did well but not as well as like they wanted it to so nine not only took a whole year to come out uh but square enix didn't publish it and you'll kind of mm-hmm. see this happening uh throughout dragon quest's lifetime um you also saw on the ds if i remember right the four and five remakes were square enix but the six was uh published by nintendo could hmm. be wrong, but I'm like 90% positive that's the case. Um, what was the question again? I was like... Oh. <laughs> no, there there wasn't a question. It was just that this game did so many unique things that... Oh, right, right, right. From the, from the get-go was... Took people by storm. So, uh, Yeah, I was going to say... Sorry to cut you off. Um, no, no, you, go ahead. Was, You're good. You can, you can look at this game as like the sort of progenitor of uh, street pass as well speaking of like new things like this is this is where that kind of started um at least as far as like the way it sort of uh turned into street pass yeah it was definitely one of the earlier kind of 
ideas or implementations of the the concept for sure um one of the the things that defined it this game was you didn't have your your main like you had your main hero but it was a custom created character and mm-hmm. all your party members were created characters which had been done in previous games as well like uh dragon quest 3 but this was i want to say the first game that had like your main character as a created character so i'm curious like what kind of character did you make lucas um i mean there are only so many options um but uh i think at this point i was still kind of like naming main characters after myself and like my friends mm-hmm. and stuff that was an option so I, I didn't get super creative with it um I, I would just sort of like all right i've got blonde hair so i'll pick that option and then like whatever hairstyle looks all right mm-hmm. um, and then like it's akira toriyama so all the faces kind of look the same anyway <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's true but yeah it, it was I want to say it's one of the earliest games I personally played with that much customization. Like, I think, mm-hmm. I think I had like Fantasy Star Online on GameCube, um, but I can't. And like the Tony Hawk games, um, but like beyond that, I don't. I never like messed with like Elder Scrolls or anything like that. Um, so I think this is the first time a game with like decent visuals uh just in terms of like kind of more effort uh or just like fidelity i guess mm-hmm. uh, which which is weird because like i'm talking about a ds and a gamecube game but by the ds you just had more like detail and color and things like that um but it was yeah. like the first one of those uh especially in like an rpg um, that was really cool, especially since like you could customize your whole party. It wasn't like three where you would just pick jobs and you'd get the same little sprite. Uh, your whole your whole party was homies. Mm-hmm. Or you know what? your actual friends because of the multiplayer. Yeah. Did you play much of the multiplayer? I did not. Um, I was one of the only weirdos in my circle that would like go out of my way to, you know, go off of that beaten path. So everyone, everyone I knew was like Final Fantasy, World of Warcraft, and I'm the only one in the corner that's like, I'm playing Ace, Ace Attorney and, and Dragon mm-hmm. Quest and Persona, and then they're just like, those are weird, and that's kind of as far as that got. <laughs> um, what what I did get to do, I think that was really notable um i took i took the game to uh magfest a convention i've kind of been going to for years and like there were enough people there that were in a dragon quest that you could just kind of like walk around and you know check your uh i I forget what they call it in this game so i'm just gonna say street pass uh Mm -hmm. but you, you would like get uh if i remember right like maps and stuff from other players um so I, I got to actually like dive into that uh, system in a way that not a lot of people, you know, in in our part of the world could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because that hit when it did, I think uh, people really like noticed it. Um, and now we have Street Pass. Huzzah! Yeah. Yeah, I never. I didn't really have any friends around me either that got into this game, and I never really dabbled much into the uh, the multiplayer either. It always seemed interesting to me, and I always wanted to try it, but yeah, I never I, had a good outlet to to try it. Yeah, I, I know some people now who swear by it. Um, as far as it like being like their favorite Dragon Quest, and that being like one of the main reasons why. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is kind of interesting but but like the way it worked was pretty cool um just for the listeners you would you would host the game and it would be like your sort of instance of it um and your friends could join as party members but you could like move around independently 
And then, like, when a battle started, if I remember right, you'd all get kind of, like, zooped into the battle together. Um, but you didn't necessarily, like... You know, it wasn't like a Final Fantasy game where you could, like, plug in the second controller and just sort of participate in fights. You could, like, run around and mm -hmm. explore on your own. That was kind of cool. Yeah, and they were, like... Versions of, like, dungeons and raids, like the grotto dungeons and things mm -hmm. that would generate, and there were, like, special bosses that you could fight with your friends that were callbacks to old bosses, and then there was the whole online kind of shop thing mm -hmm. that was also, like, characters from previous games were coming in, you could buy their gear or do quests for them. It was, they really did so much with this game, and it's... It's these aspects that make me desperately want a Switch port. Oh, I know. I would kill for this game on Switch. It's, like, the only one that, from, like, you know, uh, 10 and back, that I'm pretty sure it's the only one that hasn't had a remake or re-release in some form. Yeah, because 4, 5, and 6 got, they got, like, mobile ports, but I don't, mm -hmm. I think the last versions they got were the ones on DS. Yeah, yeah. Unless I can't think of them. Those, those versions specifically got uh, brought over to mobile. Um, but, like, mm -hmm. that's helped them kind of be readily available still. Yeah. And then 8's got a couple of ports. 7's um, got the 3DS remake, so on and mm -hmm. so forth. Yeah nine, yeah, 9 hasn't really been touched since it came out. One of the things that I always thought was interesting about the presentation of this game was the mix of quote-unquote high quality like 3d models <laughs> and then like all the villagers are sprites they're like 2d sprites yeah I, I was i was just playing the game this morning a little bit um and it, it really seemed like it, it was just something they kind of had to do to to keep the game like running stable and uh like oh, letting yeah. letting players sort of have that freedom over their party um you, know, mm -hmm. you, you had like armor actually uh changing your character's look which i think was still pretty wild at the time uh, at least for like console games um and you also had weird stuff like uh some of the text being like textured versus like actual text if that makes sense mm -hmm. and if you, if you like blow the game up on an emulator which i may or may not have done um, you'll see sort of this, like, texture-y outline thing, like, on those character sprites, uh, also applied to certain text. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, they were really, like, cramming this game in there. Um, you know, it also only had one save slot. Um, that bummed me out so much. Like, that still hurts. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That still hurts me. No, apparently, like, the memory that would have been used for a second save slot was, like, baked in as, like, a battery backup because, like, the game was so, yeah. They, they really, really, like, had to cram this game into the DS to get it to work. And it works well. Oh, yeah. D despite, you know, it's like the gameplay is on the bottom screen, um, and I think that inherently comes with like a frame rate cap compared to the top screen and all this other weird stuff. But mm -hmm. yeah. It, so it, what did you think of the kind of the the story of it? Because in yeah. general gameplay of Deep Dragon Quest Nine. Um, so as far as like gameplay, um, it's I'm pretty sure it's still my like favorite game in the series to play. Um. The, the way combat works is kind of the same as anywhere else, but, like, the camera swings around and, like, it moves really quickly. It, like, it like really, um, there's a lot of effort put into, like, making it look a little more, I don't want to say modern, but mm -hmm. at this point, Dragon Quest was still, like, static camera, uh, you see your characters attack but otherwise you're staring at the monsters and, the, and they kind of did the same thing here but when your characters go to like attack um and i, and I think even like during some parts of uh, the battle you're not controlling the camera would actually like dramatically swing around the, the battlefield and stuff um so it just like felt a lot kind of 
more like uh, snappy, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And I think still, if you compare it to like uh, eleven, even though it has like speed up options by default, it's still like slower than nine was. Um, and then it's got like my favorite job system of all time. Yeah, um, it's just amazing to dive into. Um, as far as the story, um, this is another like example of this being my first one to dive into um, because I, I didn't realize a lot of Dragon Quest games uh, they sort of have like the plot sort of uh, hanging over everything but almost mm-hmm. like uh, ignored at a lot of parts um, because when you like go into a new town it's not just like the next town it's like the town has its own uh, like almost self-contained story uh, built into it um, that usually only feeds into the main plot kind of tangentially mm-hmm. and so it was really like just having like this almost an anthology of little RPG stories and some of them were really well told and I just never encountered anything like that in a game like this at the time. You go back to, yeah. like, Dragon Quest Seven or Six, or whatever, and you'll still kind of run into that, but, you know, I played this one first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Like, it had a lot... It had some pretty good plot twists, I, I remember. Um, yeah, the actual plot was kind of interesting... Um, because, like, it's it's got this... Dragon Quest has always kind of leaned into, like, traditional sort of Christian-y, uh, like, world settings. Like, you have church, you're praying uh, to save or heal or whatever. Um, and this game sort of takes that and turns, like, the... Uh, you know, heaven or afterlife or whatever into like this mm-hmm. bureaucracy that's like controlling <laughs> the uh, like stability <laughs> of the world. And, and you're like part of that. Um, and then like that gets attacked and then you run into like, you know, betrayals and whatnot. And, and, and it's sort of like, it, it takes a lot of the, um, I hesitate to say conservative, but I, I mean that in like a uh, sort of like a tone sense more than anything else. But but it like takes that history and then sort of like really messes with it. Um, mm-hmm. And then ultimately, I think it's a lot of it is about like how people um, react to problems. If that makes sense, like a lot of it is like. Oh yeah, you help people as the angel boy, and and you get like magic help currency. Um, but you know, then it breaks bad, and then you see like people dealing with their problems instead of like you know asking for help from the angel mm-hmm. people. They kind of find a new tool, and it goes really poorly. Um, and then you know by by the end, you kind of like everything converges in on itself and you sort of come out of the other side uh, with with like a, a new uh, status as, a, as as the character who is mm-hmm. or was uh, like a, what do they call it, Celestian. So as, as yeah. much as it's like kind of in the background sometimes, I think it's kind of got some interesting ideas compared to the rest of the series. Yeah, and touching on the um, the job system a bit was uh, this is probably my favorite job system as well. It has so much depth, and the fact that all of your equipment shows up, I'm a mm. huge sucker for. Like when you equip a new weapon, it, the model changes. Yeah. So having a game where even your armor changes, such a such a big fan. I was a very big fan of that. Yeah, it was cool. They uh, they kind of had like a a look for each class, like you saw in all the like marketing and the art and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like getting that armor was always like a little a little tougher um, in a lot of ways. Like you had to 
beat certain side quests to get like the pieces of it and stuff. Yeah. So, so it was like exciting to get there and have that uh, class specific look, but then you could go beyond that once you're even stronger and kind of play with it more. But they they really use that as like a an interesting uh, it, representation of like your progress. Mm-hmm. It was all. Like the... Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say it's. It was very MMO like. I felt like with the progression of the the armor and weapon looks. Yeah, I think that really comes from like what they were originally trying to do with it, uh, making it like a real time action multiplayer thing. Um, so, so I think while they kind of pulled back from that, they still kept a lot of what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And like the job system itself, oh man, it's it's so like it's it's pretty busted. I'm not gonna lie, but it's busted in a way that's really fun to dive into if you like to grind. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to like break it down, uh, each job they call them vocations here um, has their own levels. So every time you choose a job. Um, in addition to like your stats changing, your level goes back to one, and you earn skill points, uh, like in you know Dragon Quest Eight or whatever. And uh, your your like stat growth stays with the job you picked, but if you spend your skill points, all of that stuff stays on your character, and that includes certain skills. It includes like weapon proficiencies and. Probably most importantly, if you're crazy like me, uh, stat boost. And all of that stuff, as long as you pay skill points, stays. So if you want, which is exactly what I did, you can <laughs> be like, all right, so this is where I want to end up with this character. But I'm going to go ahead and level them up through all the other jobs first so they can have like a bajillion stats and it doesn't matter what they are at the end because you're just like <laughs> wrecking house and then you can just like really uh, just use whatever equipment you want and thinks it looks cool or whatever because you're going to be doing a million damage and not taking any yourself. <laughs> uh, if you don't want to take it that far, there's still a lot of, you can like play around with. Oh, yeah. What was your preferred class? Mm. What was your end goal? I, I know I ended up with, I I think I had whatever the like uh, archery type class was. I can't remember what it was called. Um, I definitely had a gladiator because I I like I like hitting things really hard. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't usually mess with magic that much. Um, mm-hmm. I always like to have like a like a thief type uh, character. Um, gosh, it's been so long. Gladiator, I, I remember the most. And I like, yeah, I liked how there were like advanced classes that you had to complete special like quests to unlock too. Yeah, I thought those were cool. There's the, like the duelist, uh, I want to mm -hmm. say, or something. Oh, here we go. So we got Gladiator, Sage, Paladin, Ranger, Armamentalist, and Luminary. There you go. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, the Armamentalist was cool because it had, like, this sort of red magey kind of thing happening. Yeah. Like, it wasn't super clear, but a lot of the art for them, they have, like, really frilly hats and stuff. So it kind of, like, captures a similar vibe. Um, I think that was the class that was, like, the hybrid class. Like, it had some decent mm -hmm. magic spells, but then also, um, like, your swords and stuff. Like yeah. Sword skills. Yeah, so I, I think I kind of went, like, paladin, uh, not paladin, gladiator, ranger, um, and then, like, you have luminary, which I think your main character just gets as the story goes on. Mm -hmm. I probably had an armamentalist, um, I doubt. I had a sage, um, just because like magic in Dragon Quest games is really up and down in a lot of ways. But uh, mm -hmm. I, I probably like had my armamentalist as a sage at one point just to get all that like bonus MP and stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, that, that's what I remember. Uh, man, this is... It's such a shame. Like, I re- my biggest complaint was always with this game that there was only one save file. Mm-hmm. That was my biggest complaint. And I may or may not have gotten an extra Dragon Quest card just so I could restart a game. Or start <laughs> a new game. Nice. Yeah, um, I think... Uh, I don't know. It was so good. I, I, I guess, like, you know, I, I, I wish it looked a little nicer. Um, I wish that, like... Maybe the customization was a little more varied, stuff like that, but uh, I can't think of any, like, capital P problems I had with it. Mm -hmm. I was just, like, enthralled the whole way through. Yeah. I remember, um, I was working at a video store at the time, and we had gotten, we would rent out DS games, and we, we would usually get games in, like, the Friday before, so we could process them and everything, and we, as employees we could take them home and kind of rent them for free until the games came out because after then we couldn't rent them for like three weeks Hmm. and i remember us renting i took home dragon quest 9 and i spent so much time in it over that weekend and everything that i didn't want to lose my save file so i went out and bought a, a new copy like the day it launched Mm-hmm. and just brought that back to work so i didn't lose my save <laughs> progress nice, nice so so technically my copy is uh the one that was provided to family video back in 2010 but uh shout outs to family video yeah but yeah i i also got super super stuck like pulled into this game and absolutely love it um it's just so good. It felt and it felt so good to play in the DS. Like mm-hmm. it was just an all around very fun and good game. Yeah, that desperately um, needs a, a port, a new port. Yeah, definitely. I guess like notably, it was, I think, peak level five when they were really kind of like on top of, mm-hmm. uh, whatever it is that level five does. Um, and it's it's interesting because like. After that, um, you know, you have Dragon Quest X, which is an MMO, so, like, we don't really know much about it um, over There's here. Th- fingers crossed we'll get the offline version that's coming out. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And then, like, Dragon Quest Eleven is kind of, like, I think it was mostly just internal at Square Enix. Um, but it doesn't really have, like, the same sort of, like... I don't know. Level five games around this time had this had this vibe to them that really stood mm-hmm. out, um, and I think uh, in nine more so than eight, it, it really just had this like unique feel to it. Yeah, I miss level five. I miss like good level five, like Rogue Galaxy and Dark Cloud days. And White Knight Chronicles. I miss those games. I miss... I miss them. My, Come back to us, level 5. My kid loves him some Yokai Watch, though. Yeah? Yeah, he's super into it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, it's level 5. Uh, yeah. Never got into the Yokai Watch series. I have not touched it. Not for any I reason. I do remember... I, my friend, my one of my good friends and I went to Toys R Us back when Yokai Watch was just coming to the U.S. Hmm. And I remember they had the stock of the actual Yokai Watch like yo role play toys mm-hmm. with all the coins and stuff. And it's like, oh man, we gotta get a couple because these are definitely going to become collector's items because everyone says it's the new Pokemon. And nope. They did not retain their value. <laughs> uh, they did not retain their value. Not even a little bit. <laughs> it's a shame it, oh. it really seemed like it was going to be a thing for a hot minute there and then just it wasn't japan it just did not catch on over here yeah i think it petered out over there too kind of um, yeah it's uh it's past well, its heyday that's for sure dragon quest though still like not. shuts down japan though yep 
So uh, even like uh, I'm pretty sure Dragon Quest Nine uh, worldwide at least was the like best selling DS game um, at least at one point. I don't know if that's still true. Mm-hmm. Just feel like I read that it sold millions of copies. Um, I want to say like oh, upwards yeah. of like five million. Uh, this is worldwide, um, mostly Japan. But like Nintendo also like really put some muscle into it. Um, a lot of people like to kind of think back to uh, they had these commercials with Seth Green uh, that they were playing in like movie theaters and stuff uh, for this game, which is like something Nintendo really hadn't done uh, before then. Mm -hmm. That was kind of surreal at the time. So you had Seth Green basically being like a like a hype man for Dragon Quest, uh, like in and you know outside of the commercials too. He was always like, "Yeah, I love this game. I'm the robot chicken man." <laughs> I will say, prop shout out to the um, like the mod community around Dragon Quest Nine oh, yeah. that has figured out a way to keep the online shop going. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can still access all those time-specific um, items and everything with the, the DQVC. Um, yeah. Yeah, so. That was looking pretty dicey at one point. Um, I know that, like, now, if you... You kind of have to mess around with your uh, Wi-Fi settings a little bit, um, just because, mm -hmm. like, security has changed so much. But if you kind of set your wi-fi to something the ds can connect to and then you like uh set the dns server to a specific number mm -hmm. um you don't even have to like mess with the game at all you can just like access the stuff it's really cool yeah um, it's very cool yeah so if if you're interested just look up uh sack chief on youtube he's got a tutorial video that as far as i know still works Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. But yes, this game is utterly fantastic, and I that's one of the games I kind of want to replay this year. Because um, I, I have a 3DS capture card, so I kind of want to boot up a fresh file and, well, buy a new card, then boot up a fresh file mm -hmm. um, and play through it again. But... Lucas and I, though, are not the only ones that absolutely love Dragon Quest IX, so we are going to go around the web. First up, we have user Nixum from Reddit. They say, When I was a kid and I was sleeping over, my friend, his sister, and I would wake up at different times. The first one up would open their world, and at some point, we were three playing. the three of us were playing together, doing all kinds of things grottos, legacy bosses, or just running around. It was great. Yeah. I remember sleepovers playing games. Yeah. Those were the best. Right. Those were the best. And that whole grotto thing, like, I remember being kind of confused by it, personally. Mm-hmm. But also, I wasn't playing multiplayer, but just having that built-in, like, here's a generated dungeon that you can jump into with your friends and find absolutely ridiculous monsters and items and stuff. It's just like mm -hmm. that's, that's baked in you know, replay value. Uh, a lot of, lot of fun. You want to take the next one? Yeah. So this is Elantra Chin from Reddit. Since Dragon Quest IX was my first DQ game, I love how much of the Dragon Quest culture slash tradition I recognized in other DQ games I played after that. I also remember being very impressed with the translation. I played the games in German, and it was very nice to see each different village or town would have a different dialect. I really like the love developers put in the games and stories. And uh, to that person's point, um, since I want to say like the, the DS remake of or uh, localization for Dragon Quest has kind of taken on this, like, I guess 8 to a certain extent as well. Um, they kind of have this, like, UK vibe to the localization in English. Um, 
if you, and if you kind of go to different locations around the world, like the accent will change, and you kind of have like goofy, uh, fake versions of different parts of the UK or whatever. Um, because uh, you know, mm -hmm. if, if you're playing in America, there's only so much uh, dialect variation. Um, this person brings up playing in Germany, which is just like that area is full of different ways of speaking German. So. Um, that's probably like really interesting yeah i didn't even um think of that but that that's awesome that the same quality and kind of love and dedication went into all the localizations so that yeah that is very cool it's very very nifty mm -hmm. next up we have the user the lord dunn cbk from reddit they said playing hours and hours with my 10 year old son developed a bond that has grown astronomically ever since he's 22 now yeah i think this would be this would have been a really fun game to like play with your kids i think yeah, it's, it's kind of zany it's got me wondering if i can make that happen yeah maybe this is my chance to finally check out the multiplayer there you go i mean it's all local multiplayer so yeah, that's true get some find some refitted or redone or good quality DS's or 3DS's and yeah play some Dra Dragon Quest 9 with the kids yeah I'm gonna do that <laughs> yeah you'll have to let me know how it goes I will um, and, and how the multiplayer is I will play vicariously through you because I'm pretty <laughs> sure my dog uh, could not play definitely not um, but good idea I, I anxiously await your report back. So, right want to take yeah. the next? We got Stream Deck from Reddit. I was in my early 20s and living on my own, and playing the game in my spare time by myself. That sounds very familiar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I decided that living near a major metropolitan area, that I'd go onto the GameFAQs message board and ask if anyone had any heavy maps they were willing to share with a stranger in the area, not really expecting anything to come of it. Someone wrote back, and before long they'd set up a Facebook group for a meetup. Two weeks after, I just kind of, on a whim, reached out on a random message board. I ended up meeting with like 20 strangers downtown sharing maps. There was one mom and dad with their kid, all three of them with their own DS, some couples, some single folks, old, young. The group really ran the gamut. It was fun. It was weird getting that sense of friendly community from something that had been really solitary for me up to that point. Everyone was incredibly nice, and some had even come not looking for maps themselves, just looking to share and pay forward kindnesses that had been done for them. It's a fun memory. It's the only time I've ever done something like that with the game. And yes, like this is what I'm kind of talking about, like connecting it to Street Pass. Mm-hmm. You had stuff like, uh, like the PSP that had like connectivity and stuff, and the, and the DS had connectivity, um, obviously, but none of it really was widely used in North America because, you know, like we don't have nice trains and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I really think Dragon Quest Nine was like the first game that got people. Like actually engaging, at least in like um, places in North America where it's feasible, like in cities and whatnot. Um, I think this is really the first time you had people really engaging with that. Um, you know, like I said, you know, you go to like a convention, you definitely run into that. Um, but yeah, like fast forward, and you've got people street passing everyone else, you know, screaming about puzzle yeah. pieces and stuff. Um, I, I really think that started here. Yeah, and that kind of meetup mentality reminded reminds me a lot of the Pokemon Go craze from a yeah, few exactly. years ago. A, a significantly smaller Go scale, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's absolutely a similar vibe. And it, that's very cool, though. Yeah, it's cool to see that kind of trace back to something a little more um, mm -hmm. under the radar. Yeah, I want to. I, I I'm almost curious to see like how something like that would if something like that could work like today like well granted once variants and stuff calmed down but like hey who wants to meet up for like a dragon quest nine day 
you know? Or, or like, a PAX thing. Like, PAX panel. Mm. Like, Dragon Quest Nine, look back, plus bring your game and share, you know? That's actually a kind of good PAX, PAX panel idea. Yeah, maybe. I'll have to note that down. But, next up, we have user MDBAI2019 from Reddit. They say... When I started playing Dragon Quest IX, I was dating my now wife. I would hang out with her until she fell asleep every night, then head back to my house, get comfy in bed, and play Dragon Quest until I couldn't keep my eyes open. I had no specific goal in mind. It was mostly just farming metal slimes. By the time I beat the game, I was murdering everything in my path. It took me a while to do so because I didn't want any of, any of it to end. The game or the happiness. To be even more corny, one of my characters was designed and named after her. So when I think of Dragon Quest IX, I'm transported back to those times. That's how you do it, man. Yep. It's like uh, XCOM, except your friends don't get murdered. Yeah. Well, if your friends do get murdered, you can revive them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just take them back to the church. It's fine. The, sh- the shrine. The old shriney shrine. Yeah. I probably have a, a number of I probably have a number of old RPGs and things where the the female lead is named after a crush of mine at the time and friends. Uh, yeah. I'm sure that's like ubiquitous, just oh, yeah. largely unspoken. <laughs> <laughs> it's just par for the course. It's just what you did. It's what you do. Yeah. There's like little time capsules of young love. Next, we got Boomhauer007 from Reddit. I didn't really have easy internet access when it came out, so I was totally blind. Or it. Anyway, I played through almost 40% of the game before realizing you had to get other party members from the soldier office thing. I figured party members would join eventually, and thought it was odd that I was solo for long. Eventually, I got to a boss that was taking two to three turns and also had poison that was unbeatable for me. So I biked to the library to look up what I was doing wrong. Obviously, I had missed the part where you got characters. Game got much easier after that, despite the characters still joining at level one. Not sure if it's a fond memory, but it's definitely a memory. Yeah, I feel like... I, I, I will admit, there were situations in RPGs, especially growing up, where this was very much the case, where I'd missed the dialogue of a tutorial or, or something, and I was playing with a self-given handicap because I didn't know something, for sure. Yeah, this actually reminds me of an anecdote I saw when I was kind of reading about this game um, last night and this morning. And basically, it was, it was about the game's difficulty, so it's not not quite related to what this person's talking about. Um, but uh, the the intricacy of this game, especially like kind of how involved some of the things like the crafting system and like the quests and stuff. Um, and even some of the battles uh, were kind of difficult compared to games before it. Um, that was deliberately sort of baked in by the developers because of things like online guides kind of gaining uh, ubiquity at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a quote here. Um, I don't see who it's attributed to, but uh, just to quote the thing on Wikipedia here, it says, uh, Dragon Quest IX was designed to be the hardest game yet. The rationale is the developer said, people can always find out information on the internet. Like, that's part of the game experience. So basically they were like, you know, why don't we just kind of do whatever we want here, and if it's too much, then they'll just look it up on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you run into the stuff like that, And there you go. Yeah. Oh, good times. But thank you to each and every one of you who submitted your favorite moments and memories today. We very much appreciate it. 
Now, perhaps you haven't played Dragon Quest IX and you're sitting there thinking about how you can play it yourself these days. Well, we are here to help you with that as well. Unfortunately, it's not legally available uh, digitally anywhere. This is really pre-digital game storefront days, especially on handhelds. So you're going to be looking for a physical cartridge. Now, loose, you're looking at a cart ranging between $30 and $45, depending on where you find it. A complete copy will range between $50 and $65. And if you manage to find a new still sealed copy, you're looking definitely past $100, perhaps even upwards of $150. But yeah, it is still fairly easy to find, especially like on eBay. And if you're just looking for a cart for perhaps like myself, just another save file, or want to get in and you don't care about the manual or the the box so much, 30 to 40 bucks is what you're probably going to be looking at. So not too bad, especially considering the other Dragon Quests on the DS are Ooh, yeah. can be easily double that. So, Dragon Quest V, I think, at one point, was like a few hundred bucks. Oh, yeah. They're... Uh, they are four, five, and six are definitely up there. But Dragon Quest Nine, luckily, because it was such a hot seller, and there's so many out there, um, yeah, far cheaper, far cheaper. So let's say you've gotten yourself a copy of Dragon Quest Nine, and you're looking for some tips or strategies or advice. Well, we are here to help you as well. So, Lucas, what tips or advice would you give brand new Dragon Quest Nine players? Yeah, um, so I just want to, again, point to uh, Sack Chief on YouTube uh, with a tutorial for how to, like, access the online content without having to, you know, mess with, like, save game editors or whatever. Um, as far as I know, that still works in 2022. Um, but the, uh, the bigger tip I have uh, is kind of the best way to grind experience. Um, Typically in Dragon Quest, you're looking for metal slimes, and they dodge most of your attacks, don't take damage from magic, they run away, etc., etc. Um, there's a couple of tricks that you can set up to uh, make your life easier hunting these things. So there's two skills. One of them is for spears called Lightning Thrust. The other is for axes called Hatchet Man. Uh, these don't have the best hit rate, uh, like that doesn't make a huge difference, but it's a guaranteed critical. Uh, when wherever you are in the game, that's going to take out the metal slime you're using it on. Um, you can also try to set things up like uh, multi-thrust with a, I believe it's called a demon spear. Um, that has like a chance to do a one hit KO and if you do multi-thrust it's like a bunch of instances of that it's a little little less uh, reliable but potentially like you know way more profitable um, but this also kind of intersects with the way monsters spawn um, this is the first game in the series that had like the enemies on the field um, and the way they kind of spawn and rotate is interesting so like there are instances while you're in a dungeon where like uh, liquid metal slimes are spawning and, and these are probably like the best way to once you hit the liquid metal slimes that's kind of your first good opportunity for grinding um, if you can find like a corner to stand in where the monsters don't see you and there's sort of like a path that leads off the screen the monsters will like come in waddle around a little bit and then decide they can't do anything and then they'll leave the screen and that will cause them to despawn right so you'll have this like rotation of usually you can kind of finagle yourself into a part of the screen where like two or three monsters are coming in from different sides and they'll just kind of come in and leave and come in and leave and eventually you'll get your your metal slime or whatever so you can you can just kind of like find your hunting spot and just like chill out and you know watch a show or something and <laughs> you don't have to worry about going after these things you can just let them come to you um so like it's definitely involved but that takes a huge amount of effort out of the equation very cool did not know that yeah. see 
you can even learn new things all these years later. For me, my tips, kind of playing off of what uh, Lucas mentioned to help with the grind, is the less characters you have in your party, the more experience that your party members will get. So after each battle, there's a pool of XP that is then divided between the number of characters currently in your party. So if, truthfully, kind of playing off of what the other um, uh, user who had didn't realize you could recruit party members, I was actually running a party member down pretty much my entire first playthrough. Um, I had three characters instead of four. So, um, but yeah, so use that to your advantage if you want to um, power level, combine Lucas's metal slime farming tips with uh, redu a reduced party size to really uh, speed along that grinding and get you to all those sweet, sweet abilities sooner. All those passive stat bumps. All those oh, stat buffs. Ooh, man. So. We are getting to the point of one of my favorite parts of each episode the monster or enemy of the week. So, Lucas, what enemy or monster are you bringing to the arena this week? My absolute favorite monster probably um, but more importantly one that debuted in Dragon Quest 9 the cruel cumber this is just like a stupid cucumber thing with arms and legs that's like wagging its tongue out of its mouth and it's got a spear <laughs> it is it's pretty awesome and I think it's one of the first monsters you actually fight in Dragon Quest 9 oh yeah it's like it's out there well. with the slimes and it's just so mm -hmm. ridiculous looking uh, and the pun is so good. And when you beat them, they actually, like, fall down on the ground and drop their spear on themselves. <laughs> it's, really, <laughs> uh, it's really funny. It's, it's even better in, like, 11, where there's, like, an extra animation where they're like, Wah! You know, I stabbed mm -hmm. myself. And then, like, you get to the other colors, and the puns still kind of hold up. You get, like, the, the Zoomini. I believe is the the second one. I can't remember what the third one is, but, but yeah, Lo love me some cruel cumbers. Cruel cumbers are fantastic, and for their stats, they have ten health, two MP. Their attack value is twelve, with a defense value of nine. They're a bit faster, with an agility of ten. When you vanquish them, you'll gain three experience, five gold pieces. Uh, their common drop is an antidotal herb. And their rare drop is a moonward bulb. The description of these cruel, cruel cucumbers are pokey little vegetables that often trouble travelers, but are terribly sore, lo sour losers. The violent vestiges of veggies vetoed by unadventurous food eaters. They fight for the favor they didn't find as food. <laughs> so there you go. The cruel cumber. Yeah. Their normal attacks are just a normal attack, uh, and they don't know any spells, so they can either hit you or run away. And they are found at Angel Falls, one of the first places in Dragon Quest IX. Yep. Because they decided the slimes need a need a friend. Oh yeah, great great friend, great friend. So. everybody that is going to do it for another episode of rpg university lucas thank you so much for coming by and talking some dragon quest this was a lot of fun yeah no it's it, it was a really great opportunity to revisit that game it's it's been too long since i played it mm -hmm. um, and uh yeah i just i would love to see a remake um, even even just like an enhanced port would be nice too like yeah give me something let us, like, put the online, do, like, actual online play, and put it on Switch, and it will sell so many copies. So many copies. So, so many copies. Just add, uh, if you could, please, uh, since storage space is bigger, uh, just add spaces for multiple saves, please. <laughs> that, that's, my re that's my request. But, 
Lucas, where can people find you on the internet? What do you have cooking? Go ahead and plug away. All right. You can find me on primagames.com. Uh, we we just kind of stopped rolling out content for a while there uh, at the end of the year. Um, but we're, as far as I know, we're about to get rolling again very, very soon. Uh, so if you want coverage from myself, Jesse Vitelli, or Morgan Shaver, all of whom are great at what they do, primagames.com. And if you want Thanks. to hear from me more specifically, you can find me on Twitter at Hokuto no Lucas. That's H O K U T O N O Lucas. That's really all I've got with, going on. With a C, correct? Yeah. Or with a K. Okay. A C. Perfect. Perfect. Well, definitely give Lucas a follow. His stuff is fantastic. And thank you to each and every one of you who's listened today. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service, as I'd really appreciate it. If you have an RPG you would like us to feature on an episode, tweet at underscore RPG University with the hashtag RPGU with your suggestion. Or you can share your favorite RPGs and memories directly with me on Twitter at SolidSnake120. As always, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another. Class dismissed.